This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey all, welcome to the No Joke Podcast with Billy and Adam. This is the show where we tackle one issue oh so loosely and talk about our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic is O.J. Simpson. Please enjoy the No Joke Podcast. And welcome to the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafiori. I am Adam Lustig. And we are here again. It is a Friday, which means that it is time for the No Joke Podcast. Absolutely. Adam? It's Friday. Let your hair down. Or if you're bald like me, pretend you have hair and let that down. That sounded like the beginning of a Kesha song <laughs> and quickly just went to an upper register Adam song. <laughs> just a half, half Neville. We've discussed the half Neville. I'd be curious to do the stats and it's not a lot of stats because this will be the ninth episode right of how many episodes started with me saying something innocuous and that thing being responded with a high register adam voice it's like my default now that we sort of if we really want to kind of drill deep into this i think my it's like my default almost knee-jerk uh impulse is just to like get it a little bit hyped what do you think that is do you think that that is uh like you're gonna that's automatically funny i think it's like when i hear just the, the natural cadence of like hearing you be like welcome to the no joke thing i think a part of my brain assumes that we're in the la coliseum in front of fifty thousand, and i need to get them hyped for the show okay <laughs> i think it's like a weird live performance impulse that it like pavlovianly triggers in my mind that i need to like get everyone hyped i'm curious <laughs> if the listeners at home um are getting hyped when you get into that voice. I can't imagine they are because it's literally at this volume. That's all it is. It's just a falsetto. It's like I'm trying to bring the energy of like a sold out football rocking stadium arena show to this very, very pleasant living room in which only you and I are speaking very calmly. And you're still considering the levels. The levels. The whole time. Yeah, you got to be conscious of the mic level. But if you are a fan and you are listening to this and you are currently hyped. Let us know. By emailing nojokepod at gmail.com you can also flood the itunes review box please by saying hyped <laughs> all caps or all lowercase or first letter capped and i'm not even i don't need exclamation points nope. after the hyped i just want like a rubber stamp hyped <laughs> this fan is hyped. hyped that's really amazing we should get a stamp that says hyped um you can also tweet at us the word hyped at no joke pod please do we need to, i need just for our own metrics in the pod, i mean look this is a little inside baseball so much of podcast is metrics and we need to know who and is getting hyped and how hyped yes it just helps us in moving forward in sort of how it'll help me uh personally just to know exactly how um stoked amped jazzed uh turned up I should try right. and be getting everyone. You know so what I mean? if you are a skateboarder from the 90s who still <laughs> uses phrases like that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> email us. You know, they're not skateboarders, but we have started receiving emails yeah. from people outside of your hometown, Voorheesville, New York. Specifically people, my home, my mother. No, but these people are not your mother, oh, great, is though. what I'm saying. Oh my God, what a treat. But you know who they are. Who? They are either fans of or people who were subject to the Keynes and Hayek economics rap song that we played last week that's right and was played all over the internet about five or six years ago that's right all these boom and bust videos that we made with our esteemed colleague john popola right um that those were those were apparently uh despite billy and my individual lack of knowledge uh about economics those videos were played 
countrywide and dare I say maybe even worldwide yes. in college classrooms and high school classrooms. And we received emails about students feeling one of two ways about that song. Yes. One student emailed us and said that her econ professor would have that song playing every single time they walked into the room exactly. for an entire semester. Yes. So that when she was heard that on our podcast, she had equal parts excitement that it was us and I need to fast forward this because it's bringing me back to a place I don't need to it, like, be. It triggered these unpleasant sort of like disgusting memories of walking into your econ class every morning and having your and my mustachioed faces rapping at you, which would traumatize me. And then there were those whose professors used the song to teach, yeah, to say, take this line, analyze it, tell me why it works. Mm -hmm. And another person emailed us and said, thank you for making me laugh, but more importantly, thank you for helping me learn. <laughs> which, which is, which, I, we kind of need to shuffle that teaching credit over to John and Russ who made the song. We tried putting it in, in, uh, in print. We yeah. were just the guys in mustaches. We're just the hired hands here. We said it. We didn't know what we were saying. We'd be the mascots. But we really appreciate the feedback and all the interactivity. And please, like Billy said, sincerely, please do continue uh, emailing us. To, uh, give us suggestions for show topics that you'd like to hear. Right. Please do comment on iTunes. It really uh, strokes our ego and makes us feel good. He's right. <laughs> Last week, we talked about a very broad topic, luck. Right, with our friend Jack. Yeah, we kind of really tried to explore that topic, and yep. it was very fascinating. Um Big kind of wide-thinking episode. Yeah, it was a good chat. Jack's a smart guy with a big brain. We wanted to needle on just something specific. Yeah. It didn't have to be anything too specific, but we landed on something that we're going to talk about today. Narrowing the scope a little bit. To O.J. Simpson. Yeah. And I have to admit uh, that this is in part because I have been, I, along with I think many, many other Americans with television boxes, have been wrapped by this FX miniseries, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, which has truly, 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 and I don't give a F about TV, and I'm not really like an appointment TV kind of guy, especially now that it's 2016 and Netflix, Netflix and Hulu exist, but I have been, Billy, for the first time since maybe Seinfeld, I have been parking my ass in front of the TV Tuesdays at 10 for this show about O.J. again. Two things. One, that's great because one thing our podcast is not is topical. That's true. So the fact that we made a topical decision <laughs> is great. Kudos to us. Okay. And the second thing I want to say is that what I learned from you just talking is that it's hard to say Netflix exists. Netflix exists. That was a bit of a tongue twister. Because two X's are tough enough. But then when you have to follow that up with an STS in exists, exactly. that's basically the cousin of the X. Exactly. The STS is the cousin of the X. Netflix exists. Yes. So what about this show uh, are you enjoying? There's so much about it. Well, it's – I mean – Maybe those of you who are listening to this podcast and watch it are obviously familiar with this, but it was created by Ryan Murphy, who makes American Horror Story and Glee and all those things. And like my personal relationship with those shows is I'm a little lukewarm. I haven't seen too much of Glee, and I've seen a little American Horror Story. But I, I do appreciate Ryan Murphy's like camp, the sort of camp vibe, right. that, the campiness that he has in his shows. And camp means over the top? Over the top, tongue-in-cheek, cheeky. Right. Yeah. Um, Self-consciously hokey. Right. This OJ show has flavors of that but it's a very specific type of camp which is like 90s nostalgia camp mm. because it's you know a small tiny little example i'll give you the, the crystallized example uh one of oj's best friends in life and one of his attorneys that they brought that the lawyers just brought on to his defense team just because he was his friend was robert kardashian aka david schwimmer aka david schwimmer whose performance is mwah. He is so good. I saw the episode where they introduced Robert Kardashian, and he was walking down a sidewalk, and a police officer said, who are you? 
And David Schwimmer looked into the camera, counted to seven, and then said, I'm Robert Kardashian. And that's exact, that is exactly the kind of camp that I'm talking about. It was as if he was saying to the audience, can you believe it? Exactly. <laughs> and like that is, that right there is the entire delight of the show. There was another scene where you see, um, you know, they were hunting for OJ when the manhunt was on and he had escaped in the Bronco. And um, the Gil Garcetti, current mayor Eric Garcetti's father, who like was the DA at the time or something, um, he or the, the prosecuting whatever, uh, he had to like give this press conference and he brought Robert Kardashian out there to read OJ's suicide note. Because another thing that you forget is that like people assumed – one of the reasons that that Bronco chase was so widely viewed – Everyone assumed he was going to kill himself on TV. And like right. that is what we were watching. Okay. That was like what everyone assumed. Okay. And that I feel like is almost the apex of pre-trial OJ. Oh. So let's rewind because it is the first act. And let's first talk about our experiences with OJ Simpson. Sure. I was too young to know who OJ Simpson was as a football player. Same. He was a running back, maybe for the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills and USC. My dad right. was a huge fan. Okay. So that was my first experience. So yeah, we were too, our generation was too young right. to know OJ, the incredible athlete. Before OJ Simpson, was there another OJ? Because <laughs> his name is Orenthal James. That's right. So that's a, that's a difficult combination of letters to put together. I mean, our, obviously we have orange juice. Of course. Right. But I'm just wondering if there was an OJ pre-OJ or if that's just more of the kind of one, one of a kind. I, I, I could be wrong and I, I totally don't know, but I can't pull up another sort of pop cultural zeitgeisty OJ. Okay. So think... if someone said the word OJ back in the day, it meant OJ Simpson. I think so. And frankly, still does. Still totally so does. So he owned that name. He was a all college, all pro running back. All world athlete. Amazing. He retires and he goes into doing films. And commercial? Yeah, because he had this incredible personality, this megawatt smile. He was so affable, likable, um, funny, fun, like totally camera friendly, very great personality. Uh, and he would do his biggest commercial campaign. Two of them were he was like the spokesperson for Hertz. Right. It was a big deal because he was like the first black man who was like a spokesperson for a huge corporation. So nice. he was like breaking these. Is that true? Yes. Uh, maybe not first, but I think probably. Okay. And in the show, they allude to it. It was like, you were the first. And like, I believe it. Sure. You know, OJ just like broke that barrier. Quick sidebar to the camp. There's also a line similar to the Kardashian thing where he looks right not into the camera. He goes, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Yes. So like, they really hit it on the head. And it's like, that is part of the fun of the camp. Um, but I think he did uh, Hertz commercials, isotomer gloves, ironically, the and, gloves. And he was just very non-threatening. He was very, I mean... What was it about OJ, his megawatt smile, that they said, it's him? Yeah, I just think he was – and again, remember, this is pre-Michael Jordan. This is pre-athlete where we assumed that athletes were pitchmen. Interesting. Or that they could be pitchmen and that a professional athlete could transition into being a public media personality. That was before that. Right. So OJ kind of, uh, in, a, in a way, like set the table for Jordan in that way and LeBron and everyone that succeeded him in terms of athletes being able to – to parlay their sports career into something else. Interesting. And I just think OJ had a, had a great person. I just think he was really – had a bubbly personality and was fun. Was just a fun, funny, smart guy. And as you and I know, because we're big sports fans and we have had the opportunity to interact with some of these athletes, finding a pro athlete also with personality is a little bit like finding a diamond in the rough. That right. is not part and parcel of being an athlete. It just – you don't have to have the other one. You don't you know? need to be a big – you just do your job on the field. Exactly. Right. So I think that OJ was kind of that – and again, I'm talking half at my ass because I wasn't alive back then. But I, I perceive him to be like one of the first athletes. It was like 
this guy is a public personality. Right. How funny is he? He went on to make all the Naked Gun movies. He was right. Nordberg. Which is, you know, another thing where there was plenty of athletes back then, but it was O.J. Simpson in these movies. It was O.J. People said that he, he is so beloved. Yeah. And there were some amazing jokes. One time his afro was too big and he couldn't fit through the door. <laughs> Hysterical. Yeah. He had so... He was he, always... He fell down the stairs in the wheelchair, but in the background, it was just like him going down the wheelchair. A lot Nordberg. of bad luck. Oh, my God. A lot of bad luck. And he was pitch Simpson. perfect. He was pitch perfect in those movies his comic timing is clearly intact right like he clearly has this it, it's uh, it appears obvious to me in retrospect why he was the athlete to be exalted to public personality status he's great right. he's true. great in that vein yes um and you just sort of to put all that in context just makes it and i think there is that element of it that was like the celebrity um that sort of re- made the bronco chase and the murder trials of such intense public interest right um and again there's so many interesting so, things about it yeah so we're just going to go chronologically for Great. a second so naked gun 33 do you know the answer to this do they allude to any of the naked gun movies i imagine that he was either not in 33 and a third or that he was in it and the crime happened after 33 and a third that is a great question i'm i'm a little fuzzy on the exact timeline but it feels like naked gun 33 and a third may have come out maybe a couple years prior to the trial i'm kind of guessing okay sure but I'm not. I'm not fully. I'm not fully sure. There have been. I, I don't think I'm mistaken. I don't think there have been any allusions or references to the Naked Gun franchise in the miniseries. But it's coming. Come on, Ryan Murphy. Squeeze <laughs> out a storyline. It's coming. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, what we should do then is do some fact checking. Find out what was the last big thing in Hollywood O.J. Simpson did pre-crime. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think that might be the the next place to pick up. Because cool. I feel like I want to end with where you are at in the oj story and the miniseries Great. so that i can start traveling along oh, perfect so we'll segue into our first song um do you have a song you want to listen to oh gosh because uh, i've i mean we talked about chloe uh, oh, yeah. a couple episodes prior and we've done songs where we've talked about snakes but we have a song called i'm afraid of snakes that's a good one that feels almost anthemic to us yeah that almost feels like uh I don't know, a song that I could always walk out on stage with and just feel very comfortable Yeah, performing. exactly. It was very helpful in the name branding of our rap group. We like to sort of open with the song in live concerts because we very clearly said the name of our group right. over and over and over again. So we've been topical and we've branded this episode. So we are back on track, We're baby. back on track, baby. <laughs> All right. We're back on track and you're afraid of snakes. <laughs> Listen up. We're called snakes. People always ask us, How'd you get the name Snakes? And we tell them, that's none of your business. But the truth is, I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. Of mid-sized cities like Littleton. Don't be fooled by my giggling. I am terrified of tickling. It doesn't tickle. I'm afraid of jobs that require your time, like nine to five, and carnival rides that make it feel like you're flying. Chair swings. Soggy bread. Ew. I'm afraid of the undead. Oh. I'm afraid of an undead man eating soggy bread in my bed. Irrational. Right. And skyscrapers and notebooks of graph paper. Math Petrified of everything. With capers. Smoke salmon. For example, I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. 
on the canopy My stamina be a joke to Pamela Anderson Lee Little wee wee leaks when I sleep See my sheets, see my pee Still fearing those snakes, swimming in lakes Hiding in the corner of my dad's woodshed Bunch of big snakes right behind the rakes I'll see them and I drop dead like Fred These snakes wanna bite your head off Get a good chunk, ain't gonna let off Even if you scream for the snake to get off Doesn't understand, doesn't speak English I don't know if snakes have butts I don't even know how they poop your guts But to poop your guts out butts is a must Or you got a constipated snake I'm afraid of snakes 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 Yes, yes I'm afraid of snakes I'm afraid of snakes Doesn't matter what size Yeah Anaconda They're really big Yeah, vipers Also quite large Cobras Their neck expands Black mamba But still, snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. Welcome back to No Joke. That was I'm Afraid of Snakes, featuring our excellent, excellent vocalist, Chloe Wepper, yeah. um, who I believe, I might be mistaken on this, Bill, we had written the verses to that song, and then Chloe kind of came in with the whole listing of snakes, getting into some snake science yes. for her <laughs> for I believe her that verse. we had the idea of the song, we had the chorus, <laughs> yeah. but there was a bridge that Chloe needed to fill, and we were maybe trying to think of like a, a clever game, and right. she said... Let me just sing actual snakes' names in a silly voice. Copperhead, anaconda, exactly. Yes. And it was it, to this day, it's the most I've ever learned about snakes in a concentrated period of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the topic of the show is O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. Where we last left off, we were curious if O.J. was A, in 33 and a third, and, and B, how that shook out to the actual Bronco chase. Timeline was where that was relevant to the, to the murder. Naked Gun 33 and a third, the final insult... <laughs> came out in late March of 1994. Yikes. Because the Bronco chase that we all watched that interrupted game two of the 1994 NBA Finals, Knicks vs. Rockets, was June 17th, 1994. So that is 90 days in between. Not too much. So he really hated that movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. He was, I mean, like that, I think that just... The fact that O.J. was such a public figure and was like in the zeitgeist and in hilarious comedy movies that we all beloved so and, – and the murder was right on the heels of that. I mean that contributed to the sort of – the celebrityality-ness of this trial that became – that just wrapped everyone's attention. And he was so public that it's almost harder to just say mental illness. Like, uh, you know, when someone maybe hides in the shadows and just like flares up, you're, you're just like, oh, that person's crazy. But deep down, you should say, well, maybe there's mental illness. Mm -hmm. But he was just so in the spotlight for so long that you don't think mental – it just came as a surprise when, you know, 90 days later from Naked Gun coming out, there's police at the scene. It both came as a surprise, absolutely, because it's like shocking whenever, you know – the, just the timeline of the way that it all kind of fell out was sort of captivating. They had sort of found the bodies in this like very, very, very fancy house in Brentwood. Um, it was like rich, fancy, millionaire white Brentwood where Nicole and Ron Goldman were murdered. So like it was there. And then uh, the police 
again, according to the series, which may be dramatized a little bit, but I think this was true. A, a neighbor, someone was walking his dog in the neighborhood, sort of found the blood spot, followed it to the house, discovered the bodies, called the police. They got there, checked the Bronco, saw a little blood on it. All of a sudden, OJ's a suspect. So like that was kind of how that okay. went down a little bit. A couple days later, he bolts in the Bronco. When it, the news first comes out that OJ's a suspect, how do people respond? And I apologize because probably 95% of the world is watching the same show as you. Right. And I'm going to get a lot of these facts wrong, unfortunately. That's fine. But I imagine there's some shock. It's total shock. People are maybe hesitant to believe it. Way, way, way hesitant. The person that was most hesitant, again, as painted in the series, was his best friend and confidant, Robert Kardashian, who is portrayed as this like man with Christian faith mm. who loves his friend OJ and his wife Nicole. And right. he and Chris Jenner, his wife, mm. were like BFFs with them. They were like couple buddies and they would hang out all the time and they were like West LA buddies. Right. So Robert Kardashian's character is so interesting because he even in the face of all this overwhelming evidence that i mean all of the evidence the physical dna evidence every all of it points to oj doing it like that is just right it <laughs> he doesn't believe it or he can't he re- he can't reconcile the notion that his friend would have killed his 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 ex-wife and like his other friend he couldn't wrap his mind around it and his heart couldn't take it so he is in denial for the longest he's dead now right I don't think that he is de- – I don't know that answer. Okay. I don't know that answer. Well, whatever. Hindsight 2020. Yeah. Whether OJ did it or not. Yeah. But I've never had a friend who's kind of blown my mind Me- like that. I mean, Luckily. Yeah, seriously. Luckily, knock on wood. Not like that. I mean, like, if you – if someone called me and was like, do you think Billy killed you? I was like, what? There would be no but there way wouldn't be, I could ever there wouldn't conceive. Be, there wouldn't be, like, a behind closed doors, like, yo, do you think Billy did it, though? Well, I mean, that is what that- – Because – I would leave the door open for every person I've ever met. I don't think – now that I think about it, I don't think there's one person who I know who isn't capable of probably doing something similar exactly. to this. Exactly. Well, I, th- I think that's because you and I have the inclination to um, both give people the benefit of the doubt but also whatever the opposite of that is. Okay, right. People are, people are complicated and they are capable of doing any number, any myriad of things that right. would surprise us. Right. But I don't know if it's actually – again, knock on wood – that actually come to fruition where a friend has like done some deed that I have just like floored me or have been in such rigid denial about that I would refuse to believe even, even right. occurred. Right. Um, but Especially that was, when that friend is the face of Hertz Rent-A-Car. And Isotomer Gloves. Right. And the Buffalo Bills and Naked Gun 33 and a third. So and is so affable. Right. Is so aggressively friendly right. and famous and affable. So that is sort of the tragedy of Robert Kardashian. Not the tragedy, but just the plight of Robert Kardashian as portrayed in the show is that he just can't believe it. Um and also, David Schwimmer's performance is just so funny, and he only ever calls him Juice. He only ever refers to OJ as Juice, and it's just hysterical. And he'll tell his kids, you know, the Kardashians. Right. He'll be like, Uncle Juice is coming over Uncle Juice. So th- that, like, that's the camp factor. That Uncle is so Juice, do- his name is UJ. UJ. UJ Simpson. U <laughs> OJ Simpson. <laughs> to Kim Kardashian, OJ Simpson is UJ Simpson. It's so funny. That's completely amazing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but so it turns out, like Billy, like we we're talking about, that this was very much at the height of his of his celebrity. Right. He goes into the he goes into the Bronco. Yeah. So this is what happens. So so they find um they they find the blood on the Bronco. The cops are like, oh, 
fuck, like, I think OJ might be a suspect. Like, right. no one wants to believe it because right. he's so beloved. Of course. Heisman Trophy winner, like, face of everything. So famous. We're not mad. We're just disappointed, but we're mad. Exactly. Right. So they don't really know what to do. So they, he's a suspect. So they quarantine him. I don't know exactly. They hold him. He's like, being arraigned or sure. arrested whatever so he's he's at his own house so he's like kind of under house arrest ish a little bit sure. as they sort of like process the whatever and like do the dna things and that and then this is another thing that i had totally forgotten because we were 12 at the time but that so oj was there in his house quarantined under house arrest and he literally slipped out the back with his buddy ac cowling in the bronco in AC Cowling's Bronco, AC Cowling, his best friend, had bought the identical white Bronco to OJ's out of sycophancy. Like, he was just OJ's fan and best friend Whoa. wanted to be like OJ, Whoa. bought the identical white Bronco just because. And wow. so th- there's like all these crazy elements to it. And they literally escaped. They quite literally slipped out the back of OJ's house in Brentwood and tore down the freeway. Which, and- yes, which is the. That's where we stopped in the first act, and that is like where everyone, the OJ story was born. America joined in then. There's an outstanding 30 for 30 documentary about that day. June 17th, 1994. Because it's not exclusively about OJ Simpson, though that is the big one. That's right. There was a series of other things going on. Maybe you mentioned them earlier, but there was a big NBA playoffs game going on. Game two of the finals starring our beloved New York Knicks and Hakeem Olajuwon's Rockets. So that's on one national television network. Big time. Another national television network is carrying, I believe, golf legend Arnold Palmer's last day. Absolutely correct. Also, the the New York Rangers are in the NHL Stanley Cup finals, maybe against Pavel Bure and the Vancouver Canucks, I think. So on all four major networks, there's something major happening. Mm -hmm. And then the Bronco car chase happens. And they switch. It usurped it all. And there's like the classic scene in the miniseries where it's like the people in the ABC newsroom who are broadcasting the NBA Finals game. The guy comes and he's like, go to OJ. We got to switch to OJ. Right. Like, no, we can't. It's the finals. He's like, switch it. And the best part for me, at least, was the director at the end of that 30 for 30 talking about that day. Yeah. Mentions how that was the birth of reality television. Absolutely. And what, that what that illuminated was that we, the people, want to watch train wrecks of public figures on television. And because it was one of the like longest like engaged everyone kept watching that. Everyone. It's right. like that's the thing that maybe is lost in 2016 where all these like viewership is fractured and the internet and this everyone right. cared about the OJ trial. Super Bowl ratings. Oh man, like soup to nut like soup to nuts and it got to a certain point where the major broadcast networks were uh, pulling their daytime soap operas and just it playing OJ soap, coverage. I believe it killed the soap <laughs> yeah, opera. Yeah, it kind of did, I guess. They, they, I was talking to someone who said huh. that it, it surprisingly killed the soap opera because it just never could come back from that time slot being destroyed. It's like it killed the soap opera and birthed reality TV. It's like what the OJ trial giveth, it taketh away. You right. know what I mean? It, like, it really did. And again, maybe I'm just swept up with the romanticism of this fucking cool fx web series but like it really was seminal and at like ground zero of celeb reality obsession 24 7 news cycle you know you talked about on the episode with jack about how everyone deep down might have a little bit of musical theater fan in them <laughs> i think everyone that's the same thing with true crime oh yeah it just piques the interest people love talking about what people are capable of exactly these primal urges I going know. way too far i know and it's it just makes for the most captivating. What was the Jinx was another one. Absolutely. Where, what was his name? Robert um, Durst. Robert Durst. Yeah. Where you just kind of wanted to. I just read Helter Skelter. Charles Manson. 
Why and, is it so captivating? You, and, and we have friends, too, shout out Jen and Rebecca, who don't like horror movies and who are freaked out by, like, fictionalizations of serial killers and murderers right. and human ghastliness and things like that, but need to know the true crime. Like, have a deep desire to uncover and learn what the darkest parts of the human psyche could accomplish. I was once hired by Discovery, the Discovery Channel. Cool. Um, they have a sub-branch or a sub-channel, basically. It's a zone-free channel called Discovery ID. And they make television for a segment of viewers that they call teledectives. Huh. And this may be their secret that no one's supposed to say. Whoops. Um, <laughs> but it would be people who watch television, much like Law & Order, where uh, viewers that they will try and figure out the crime and, you know, all the reasons that got them there before you get there. But it's the most engaged television. And so the funny part of that story is that they hired me because I'm a comedy writer to write the promos for all of these shows. But like the shows were like most disgusting desires, like <laughs> most fatal, grisly murders, fatal fetishes. <laughs> and so I had to watch these television shows of people like having their genitals stepped Oy. on to death. <laughs> and... <laughs> and then I would have to put a clever spin on it to hook in a more general audience. <laughs> and I would like lean in from the bedroom, like into the other room, and be like, hey, Marina, what's a fun way of making genital mutilation f like cute? I would say it's balls to the wall fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's why they have to hire Billy and Adam, not just Billy. And I would say that. Without – and again, I don't think this is overstating its historic, historical significance. I would say there is no Discovery ID without the O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. The O.J. Right. Simpson trial was the watershed moment for true crime on TV, for celebra crime on TV. Right. Uh, and quite seriously, the birth of the demand for the 24-7 news cycle. The fact that the networks ha were had to play the f the just talking head pundits talking about OJ during the day and usurped their daytime uh, programming was like, oh, there's an appetite for you don't have to uh, – you. we can talk about one thing for the entire 24 hours. Yes. One thing. The yes. whole 24 hours can be about the one thing. And you could talk about how it's sad that soap operas went away or that reality shows came up. But that's the most evil and pervasive thing that came from it. Of course, two people died. And that's probably the most evil. And that's but, the other fucked up thing. It's like that. Well, talk about a footnote. Right. Talk about a footnote. The two people who were uh, brutally slain and stabbed so, so, so many times right. and are dead is like the 112th most interesting thing about the OJ mystique. Unreal. Yeah. And that's that's another thing like warped our whole per our national perspective on murder and crime and celebrity and what and everything got blinded. And that was why even though all of the physical evidence, all of the DNA evidence clearly pointed to OJ Simpson being quite literally the only possible suspect all of these other elements were in play and the prosecution lost so much of their case because people were writing tell-all memoirs before the trial sure. all the information was being leaked sure. interviews multiple with judges everything so everything got tainted and warped and it was so hard to really justice had a hard time remaining blindfolded in that case it was tough so we've gotten to uh we've gotten to some pretty heavy spots mm -hmm. what do you say we play a little music from a friendly band we know. Great. The guys who play the theme song for the show that you've heard every week, Send Medicine, um, they are now on Spotify, and they have been sending out a message to all their friends that they are encouraging everyone to click follow. Apparently that means a lot. And you and I are no strangers to begging for interactions. Not at all. We love those interactions. Big time. And now our best friend's band, Send Medicine, want those interactions follow. on their page. So we're going to play a song by Send Medicine, 
It's called Baby's Coast. Hell yeah. And we'll be back with more Brutal Murder.
Welcome back to No Joke. That was the band Send Medicine, and the name of that track was Baby's Coast. That's right. I want to shout out our buddy Ryan Glennon, who is a fantastic musician and generally wonderful spirit of a yes. human being. So if you like that song, go on to Spotify and click follow on Send Medicine. There's another uh, person we could shout out, two <laughs> people, Jake and Amir. They just announced that they have a new series coming to Vimeo. And everyone on HeadGum or who listens to HeadGum should have heard by now. But if you haven't, the series is called Lonely and Horny. Mm -hmm. They are both in it, though it stars Amir. And I think Jake did a lot of the directing. Really? Uh, Yep. Um, I was a character in it, and I'm in an episode. That's wonderful. And uh, they are fantastic. And I think it's available for pre-order now on Vimeo. That's great. So in within keeping it in the family, yeah. quick shout out to Jake and Amir. Lonely and Horny. Those are, I mean, who can't relate? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Quite literally, who can't relate? Um, I was in that show. Um, Amir's character is a guy named Ruby Jade, who is as awful as that name sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you were a fan of Jake and Amir, he is very much like that character, only a little bit more grown up, and he is wonderfully pathetic. What kind of character do you play, if you don't mind me asking? I am his personal trainer. Oh, baby. (laughs) My sleeves are ripped off immediately. (laughs) And I am uh, trying my best to respect this guy who needs personal training Good. but learn very early on that he cannot be helped mm-hmm. yeah. you have had people in our lives actually come to you in actual life for fitness and personal training help yes definitely i've, I've done that with many friends yes. i was lucky enough to have a friend who took uh interest in weightlifting when we were maybe 14 or 13 so i was taught all the things that when you kind of get into your mid-20s and you want to start getting back into shape, mm-hmm. you start learning. I've already been doing that for 12 years. Right. So that was a nice little um, kind of head start yes. on the weightlifting game. Yes. So yes, now I am typecast <laughs> to be the – and you know what's funny about that is that it depends where in the Hollywood landscape they need a strong guy because amongst comedians – you know, anyone with any sort of muscle definition will be cast as the strong guy. Anyone with a muscle. Right. Right. But then you go to a commercial casting and you're sitting next to like real beefcakes. Like Terry Crews. Yeah. And I am like thin. I know. Very, very thin. It's all relative. Right. <laughs> what do you need? It's all relative. Right. Yeah. Billy, you're an objectively fit person. So compared to us asthma ridden weirdos, right. you are literally a titan. A titan. You have no interest and have never had any interest in weightlifting. I don't know, man. My dad tried to take me to the gym when I was like, kind of in high school when I was on the basketball team because I was like so twig thin, still am. And he rightfully wanted me just to put a little muscle on my body or at least see if one could. But I don't know what it was, Bill. It was the uh, something about like the monot- like the physical atmosphere of the gym just turned me off, like quite as a physical entity. Right. It just like I don't know. It just didn't uh, wasn't very inspiring to me. I didn't really feel. I never really felt like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just never felt like it. And that is the death of going to the gym because there's always that moment in the day where it's like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym. But if internally you say, eh, I don't feel like it. You don't have to. You don't to. go. You don't have to. You don't have to. It's totally voluntary. Right. Yeah, but I and I, I've been back a couple times to a gym, but even now it's really just I mean, my source of exercise is running around with you on Saturdays and playing basketball. Right. Which to me is both is exercise. It doesn't put any muscle mass on my body, unfortunately. Um, but is exercise and is the most fun. And to right. me, weightlifting was just it just always felt like a chore. Yeah, I don't find weightlifting fun. Yeah. It's almost just uh the way for me to I don't know. There's something therapeutic about it, like physically yeah. therapeutic, where my body feels better yeah. when I'm done. So that's why. It's nice to be exhausted. And it's just great to get typecast as that. <laughs> I, do it for, I do it for the typecast. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, Lonely and Horny on Vimeo. Check it comes out. out in a couple of weeks. That's great. Available for pre-order now. Very cool. Yeah. Speaking of Lonely and Horny, um, 
OJ Simpson was probably pretty lonely and horny, but he was in that jail cell. <laughs> One might imagine. You know what I just heard today? Speaking of lonely and horny yes. and jail cells, yes. Jared Fogle got bum rushed in prison. Oh gosh. Yeah. Meaning, he, is he? What do you mean? I, is he dead? I don't know if he's. Al- I think he's oh, probably alive. Boy, oh boy. But it sounds like he was bum rushed in prison. Oh gosh. So that's sort this of. He's taken a real nosedive yeah, in these okay. last thirty seconds. We can dig right in there to true crime. Speaking of. Yeah. Oh man, that's a bummer. Right. For no, it's not. I don't even know. No, no, yeah, no. yeah. That occurred, and Oy. we'll just let that exist. Oh my gosh. Um, but back and, to a fun story. Yeah. OJ Simpson. That double murder trial. Right. We are now in the court. The courtroom. Yeah, I mean, I mean it so goes to trial. His his lawyers are okay. So he hires like the dream. That's like the whole thing. So oh, he hires Volta. Oh baby, let's give oh. a few dedicated minutes to the face and jawline of John Jawline Travolta. Eyebrows, baby, eyebrows for days. I mean, he is, he is camp. John Travolta is the personifies the genre of camp. If John Travolta walks outside in the rain, does he melt? <laughs> Yes. He is always on the precipice of melting, melting. when he is I see a whack. Him now. He's made of wax. Yes. Yeah. He plays Bob Shapiro, who was OJ's first hire and technically lead attorney. Okay. And I guess, again, what I gleaned from the series is that Bob Shapiro's reputation was that he always went for a plea deal. He never was trying to get you off. He was never trying to get his client off. It was always get a deal. Right. Like cop to whatever aggravated assault and just get him like six years in prison and out. And that is that. Right. So that was what his reputation was is that he is like a deal shark uh oj also then but again he's also portrayed in the series as kind of out of touch but like a bit of a celebrity lawyer and like beverly hills plastic surgery weird right. Ty- john travolta is perfect for it for that reason yes no Just makeup like, no but yeah <laughs> might as well not be uh, then they hired um a handful of other folks uh nathan lane plays one of the attorneys called <laughs> Le- amazing i can't remember lee something lee bailey i can't remember quite that's starting five oj schwimmer travolta yeah throw in a nathan lane I mean, the show is so good. <laughs> the show is so good. I could watch it forever. Right. I wish it lasted as long as the trial. Well, how long does it last? Is it does it have a is there a chance for a second season? Probably not. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll find out together. I would assume that this first season would encompass the entirety of the trial, but maybe not. Do you know how the trial ends? Do you remember a, do you remember how the trial ends? B, do you remember where you were when very the trial much so. ends? Very, very, very much so. So you remember exactly how the trial or how the trial ends okay absolutely and where were you uh i was in let's see this was 95 i was in seventh grade and i think it was during school it was definitely during school hours and we uh did your teacher play it the verdict in class absolutely i'm really trying so did mine that's what it was a thing man but it was like (laughs) but we were in middle school yeah that is like so far beyond the scope that's what i'm saying of what middle schoolers should be thinking about on the surface there's no middle schooler talking about the jinx (laughs) Right now. It would be inappropriate. Like, there's something inappropriate or irrelevant about that, but it wasn't. It was capturing all of our attention. And it was also serial is the somewhat modern equivalent to that, where that might be played in a school that might somehow, maybe not, you know, updates or just something that swept the nation. Absolutely. Just hits on the zeitgeist so specifically and just like pings everyone's brain in the exact same way and just sort of captures everyone's attention. So when you were in your classroom and the verdict was read, do you remember if there was a consensus reaction? God, I'm really trying to remember exactly, Billy, because I I think, well, you're probably what, 7th or 8th grade, I guess. Yes, exactly. 7th or 8th grade. Yeah, me too. And I think think people were surprised again this is all it's funny because memory gets conflated with your 
like with the right. popular memory like i yep. kind of know how i felt but really i know how the newspapers felt i remember that all of the kids in my not all but the the loud sound in my room was uh surprise and anger yeah like and i remember being a kid and recognizing this is very meaningful but also that i didn't feel feel one way or the other but yeah. people were like and these kids had to be kind of like i remember my teacher was upset too it was just like just such a time and place. It, it was, I mean, like, again, like this, uh, I am in, like, we are in no way, like, qualified to discuss, like, the full socioeconomic racial context that the OJ trial was in. But, like, well, it was yes. so loaded for this country. Three years previous, yes. the LAPD had beat the crap out of Rodney, Rodney King. King. That was everywhere. Right. So, like, the LAPD was so. And within the three years of the OJ and the Rodney King thing, it had happened. Time and time again. Just without cameras. Okay, so like the LAPD, and is, after OJ Simpson, probably time and time again, exactly without cameras. So like the whole, like it was it, almost impossible to divorce this OJ Simpson murder trial from the racial context, and spe very specifically the LAPD, which is crazy because it is ignoring immediately the two people who were murdered, precisely, and the defenses Johnny Cochran and et cetera, stroke of genius, and the, uh, the show paints Johnny Cochran to be like the man, yes, like the smartest, best lawyer that's ever been, which period. is great because Seinfeld made Jackie. <laughs> And that was not fair. Exactly. That was a cartoonified Johnny Cochran, who was already a little bit larger than life. But this actor, Courtney B. Vance, his performance as Johnny Cochran, give him all the trophies. Sure. All of the – he is the best. Sure. Um, but what they very smartly did was that they abstracted this murder trial so much – uh, and really made put the LAPD on trial. Mm -hmm. That's what they did. And that is ultimately – that is a very simplistic, uh, reductive way to sort of like articulate their strategy. But they made it very deliberately about race, mm -hmm. very – and called into question every single piece of evidence and how the LAPD acquired it and whether it was racially motivated. Did they set OJ up because they're such horrible racists? Right. Maybe. And they just planted enough doubt and that was that. So the glove doesn't fit. You must acquit. <laughs> He is found not guilty of several things. Later on, there is the criminal trial, and then there is the That's civil right, trial. This, yeah, what happened? And the civil trial, I think he lost a bunch of things and ended up owing, man, I hope I'm right, a lot of money to probably the Brown family. And the Goldmans, yes. So he decides to try and make some money first by writing a book. Oh, yeah. I think that was – and again, and I – And that book is called – if I did it, here's how I would have done it. Come on, man. Come on, man. You know, if it's like he, I think that, yeah, I think he lost a lot of money in that. Again, this is like, I'm half informed. I think he lost a lot of money in that civil suit and right. he had to like basically went broke doing that. Sold his Heisman. Sold his Heisman. Sold all of these things. All of his paraphernalia, all of his. Which like, will come back later. Big time. And then one of his attempts to make money, actually, there's a fat before the tell all book, improbably titled. There was also a prank. This is a story on This American Life. Oh, there was a prank show right. that he tried to get off the ground starring OJ. Right. Like a hidden camera punked type prank show starring OJ the murderer. Jesus. Yeah. So like he, he was – I think he was constantly sort of knocking on the pop culture door trying to get some money. What is your best guess <laughs> of the switch? And not the best guess like there was marital problems and all these kind of things. Do you think he was always this homicidal maniac who was able to be reined in because he was busy through all of these sports and other things? And then with a little bit of like free hands, you know, idle hands or the devil's playground or whatever, he switched? Because this is, this is ultimately the most interest one of the most interesting parts of the whole OJ saga is had, was he always this maniac who would then go on to try and steal his Heisman and then to make the money back? To, and then he would go to jail forever. And then while in jail, he would get in more trouble and be stuck in jail for even longer. This is one of the things that makes the prosecutor, Marsha Clark, so sympathetic for so many reasons. Uh, is because OJ had been uh, 
charged, and I don't know, maybe convicted of domestic abuse a handful of times, uh-huh. beating the crap out of Nicole a lot. Like Come it, on. Yeah, yep. like it was – so this murder to Marsha Clark and to anyone reasonable was just a natural extension of like a seriously abusive relationship with someone who either has rage issues or alcohol issues or That was inevitably what. going to go too far, yeah. and it went too far. Absolutely. And it's like it seemed – it was like Occam's razor. It was like that was the most reasonable explanation that OJ was a super abusive husband who was jealous because like she was sleeping with this like 25-year-old hot waiter guy, Ron Goldman, mm. and OJ found out and killed them both. Like that makes – that puzzle fits. Right. You know, and it fits into what Marsha Clark and the – this sort of deep, sad, sick underbelly of OJ Simpson, which is that he was like a serial domestic abuser. Right. So that was – so I think that it surprised people because like – Famous, friendly people? Murder? Like, no. But I think that for those people in the know, like Marsha Clark, it was the opposite of a surprise and, in fact, was a coronation and was her opportunity to finally nail this wife-beating scumbag to the wall. And Mm -hmm. she was salivating at the opportunity, especially with all the DNA evidence in her corner. All of the evidence pointed to OJ being guilty. She couldn't wait to put this dude away. Mm. Whoops. Tragic tragic like it's there's hollywood crimes man they're so for some reason they just always end up a little bit more interesting or tragic i I mean the helter skelter crimes with charles manson it it was just it took over los angeles it was just so captivating you i'd imagine that this robert durst one will probably have twists and turns that we are going to salivate at and the oj simpson story just a week ago there was a knife found on the scene my first instinct there's either some savvy producer definitely who plants a knife to just keep juice in this OJ storyline. No line. pun intended. And it's it's just Los Angeles crimes. There's something fun there, I say. <laughs> Dare we say I um let me never be a part of one. Up until that point, they seem fun. I gotta tell you, man, and this mini it's like it's so it is so fun. Like, then this miniseries is proof. Like the proof is in the pudding. Like, we are reliving this, like this miniseries is event television in very much the same way that the trial itself 25 years ago was 20 years ago was event television like it is fun it is fun this show is so fun i know this seems like a commercial for the show you're all probably watching already but man i'm having a blast that show is so fun and this show the no joke podcast was also very fun so fun talking juice absolutely can I just say one last little detail that's kind of fun? By all means. When he uh, was – they finally chased him all the way in the Bronco. He comes back to his house after that like that long, weird police escort that we all watched yes. for hours, that hours-long chase. He makes it finally back to his house at Brentwood where the entirety of the LAPD is waiting for him. OJ knows he's going to be – he's going to jail forever. His life is over. He like knows it basically, sits down on his couch, and this was portrayed in the show and then was confirmed to be actually true. He sits down on the couch. It's about to go away to jail for the rest of his life. And what does he ask for? Orange juice. Poetic. Poetic. That is the No Joke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Drink your orange juice. <laughs> I'm Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we'll talk to you next week. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>